welcoming Ali round. I don't know whether you go by Alice as well, do you? Pretty much always okay. Alice. I don't actually know why I made that Instagram name. <laughs> oh, really? That's super interesting to know. So I just, your Zoom name is Alice. So everyone calls you Alice, yeah. but I just know you as Ali. So we'll call her Alice Round. Maybe we'll see an Instagram update soon. But Ali Round, thank you so much for coming on the AWPT podcast today. She is a coach, a competitor, a mum. And I'm super excited to speak uh, with Ali, Alice today about her journey. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Something that as well people don't really know about me, my full name is Michaela. And so <laughs> everyone just knows me as Kayla. And then whenever, I don't know if someone's making a payment or if an email yeah. comes through and it's like Michaela, it's just like, what? Like, who's this yeah. person? <laughs> I was actually at the gym the other day and someone bumped into me and said, hey, Ali. And I was like, what? My name's Alice. Like, I think, yeah. So it's funny that I I think when I created my Instagram, right, it was everyone had these short Instagram names and I felt like Alice Round was a bit long. So that was literally the only reason I went with Ali Round. And then I have never wanted to change it because I feel like I'm worried with tags and things like that, that people will tag the wrong account or all that. So I've just left it and I'm like, I'll live with it. I don't really care what people call me. I'm not, I'm not fussed. It's so funny, like the day and age we live in with Instagram as well, because people just refer to you as your Instagram name. So like, yeah. even if it's just like something like, oh, that's uh, that person, it's like, they'll say their Instagram name and you know who it is. Like, it's so weird because... Yeah. I mean, my full name is Michaela Mulvogue, but it's just like I get Kaylee, I get Kayla Lee. Like it's like <laughs> we don't know anyone's real name any, anymore. No. So, <laughs> so Alice, um, give us a little bit of background into your fitness journey. So you first started out in the fitness industry. You've been through a whole lot of stuff with competing oh. and things like that. Just um, give us a bit of a background and then we'll, we'll go through basically your journey from, you know, competing and all of that to now being a mum, running a business, all that kind of stuff and go through Instagram. I'm really like looking forward to diving deep with you. Cool. So I guess how I, I guess, fell into the fitness industry, it wasn't really the plan. I actually wanted to be a PE teacher. So that was quite interesting. Um, and we ended up here 15, 13, 14, I don't even know how many years later, a long time. Um, but I basically was a sprinter. So that was my background, um, mainly 200, 400 meters. I was pretty like, you know, gung ho for that since I was like, five years old, sort of, you know, that was my passion. Um, my dream was to try to get in the Commonwealth Games. So I was always trying to get in like a Com Games relay team or an Olympics relay team. That was kind of what I was going for in the 400. Um, and then when I was about, I sort of peaked around like 16, 17, which is crazy to think that sounds so young, but that's when usually you're at your prime with athletics and then was getting there, like getting really up there in the rankings and, you know, winning states and nationals and things. And then I got like three injuries back to back. So I tore my calf straight through. Then I tore my hamstring. Then I hurt my lower back. 
Um, and the reason I'm telling you all of this in relation to the journey is that it got me really interested in resistance training because I was like, why do I keep injuring myself? And I started working with some physios at WACE, which is the West Australian Institute of Sport, and they were helping me with my rehabilitation. And I found it so interesting. And at that same time, I was actually studying sports science. So I kind of was already in that field, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but it made me more passionate about um, then getting into personal training so the second year of my uni degree you can then qualify as a personal trainer once you've done two years of sports science so I went and did that started going down that road so I would have been about 20 then I think 2021 um and that was kind of how I got into the fitness industry so I just started working in a small gym it was great a female only gym in quite a sort of what would you class it as like a high-end suburb in Perth it was sort of around that golden triangle of Dalkeith Netherlands that region working with women um and they filled me with all my clients you know handed me all my leads like it was a great gym to get started in great experience and yeah it was really cool being in that space however However, it kind of, I was working with a niche population of women that weren't all that motivated to say the least. Um, they kind of, you know, would drop their kids off at school, then not work and have the day to go to the gym. And that was really nothing wrong with that, but that was the audience I was working with. And I then stumbled into another gym in Perth and it was very hard for like performance based. So it was very CrossFit, powerlifting, bodybuilding, so very different world to this gym I was working in. Um, and that kind of opened up the doors. I just started training there for fun, um, just with a couple of friends. I used to go and jump in a few sort of group strength classes they had and really saw a different way that they coached. So I started training there and then they kind of coached me to work there. Um, so I was going through my sports science, changed to working in that gym, working with more athletes, more being around that comp prep space. And I just started to see how cool body transformation was and also strength training. And I found a real passion for those two because I was like, wow, you can be super strong and look amazing like at the same time. And I think with my athletics at the time, I was still having struggles with these injuries. And the coaches at this gym really showed me that I had weaknesses in my glutes and my hamstrings and areas where I had no muscle that I needed to strengthen. So I was like, cool, I'll start doing it for my athletic performance. And um, then I just kept, the injuries were still kind of there. When I went back to the track, I'd kind of slowed down a bit. I'd, I'd had some time off and I just felt like, yeah, I need to do something different. So to sum that all up, I then thought, well, I'm competitive, <laughs> so I need to do something. And I didn't realize it really like that gung-ho and powerlifting at that point. So I thought, let's do, you know, I'd always cared about my physique and, and that sort of thing. So I jumped into a bodybuilding show and that was kind of how it all began. So I would have been about, yeah, 22, 23 then. Um, and I was still at that point at uni and then I went through um, my, my master's in dietetics but didn't finish off my practical work so I just didn't enjoy it um, and yeah ever since then I've just kind of I feel like I've skipped a whole section in the middle I probably have and we can delve back into things you want to go into um, yeah, but sure. yeah dietetics and sports science and have ended up being yeah PT hands-on for like eight years and then just all in the online space kind of went online space about six years ago, but I've just been in that solely the last sort of four or five years um, and and lots of stuff in between, dabbled in powerlifting, bodybuilding, all that jazz, children, now the postnatal space. So I feel like I've kind of had my hands on 
a lot of bits of the pie in the fitness industry. Um, but I think that's also one of the coolest things about the fitness industry that you can really pivot. So I, yeah, to sum it up, I thought I wanted to be a phys ed teacher and then I ended up here. I actually worked at a school for a year as a phys ed assistant before I went to uni. Um, the year in between, I took a gap year and went and did it as a trainee and I hated it. And so that was like, cool, need to go to uni and not do that, but I don't know what I want to do. And that's kind of why I sports science because I was like, I can kind of figure out, you know, if I want to go down the rehab path or the nutrition path or whatever, um, I liked working with the kids, but I didn't like the school politics. It wasn't for me. So that kind of steered me away from that. So, yeah, here we are. So shoot some questions at me because otherwise I feel like I'll just ramble on, <laughs> on these topics. Well, first of all, like I, that's such a fascinating story because, you know, you and I caught up when I was living in Perth and, you know, it would have been awesome if we could have done this in person. But um, I don't feel like we touched on much of that and so I just listening to your story right now resonates so hard with it because I kind of had a a similar story like being into health and fitness from such a young age going through those different transitory periods and transitory phases through your life you know you've actually had to almost like change your identity as you've gone throughout your fitness career because first it's an athlete then it's yeah. an athlete, but in a different perspective, right? So like, you know, you've got that, uh, you know, you, that sprinting, that very performance-based background. Then you've got, you know, powerlifting and bodybuilding is performance, but also very aesthetic-based. And then, you know, transitioning even to being a mum, that's a whole different identity shift along the way. And, you know, I love that, you know, you were on it, you were in it from the get-go. You wanted to be a phys ed teacher, you know, like, I kind of fell into the whole physio thing as well, but, you know, going through injuries, you know, almost like losing that identity as a sprinter and a, as a, a limp, like almost Olympic level, like must have been so hard, but then like just switching that mindset into like, I'm still a competitor. And so yeah. I'm going to go and and compete, you know, it's not the same thing, but something else. Yeah. And then, you know, transitioning through there, it's, it's a super cool story. And like the amount of knowledge and the amount of experience that you've gained over that career, because I feel like nothing against it, but like a lot of coaches these days, they don't start from, from that such a young age and have that background in like performance and sports and things yeah. like that to start. And I think that's, super important because sometimes people can do it for the wrong reasons yeah. and you're one of those coaches that I see like you know I know you're super knowledgeable the stuff that you put out on Instagram you hold seminars and you're creating like postnatal courses now the knowledge there is it goes beyond that surface level of just like training nutrition sort of thing yeah. and you know discovering like beneath what your clients actually need and and your journey to get through that is super cool and super inspiring Thank so you. I guess like I guess I mean what was the hardest thing about transitioning from stepping away from being an athlete because I I definitely went through the same thing like going through university um you know have, having so, like 
my childhood was based around sports. I would play every sport <laughs> under the sun. And then when you get into like, yes, yeah, studying university, things like that, it kind of, it does take a back seat because it's like, yeah. you got to get good grades. You got to get a good job, all that kind of stuff. And back then it was also like, you know, there's no real money in yeah, there's no money personal in training <laughs> or being a teacher and all that kind of stuff. But whereas it's like, I mean, look at you now, like very well known online coach, run your own business, mum of two, like absolutely killing it. So I skipped a few steps, but going back to like that identity shift mm. between like like performance athlete to aesthetic athlete to mum, like mm. how was that for you and how did you manage going through those transitions? I actually think the one going to be a mum was harder than going from the um, like athlete to bodybuilding because that's still like performance-based. So it's still Mm. outcome-based. Whereas being a mum, no one gives you a gold star if you're a good mum. Like there's no like, well done, your kids are healthy, they're happy, you've done a great job, here's your gold medal. Like if only there was some sort of reward for mums, I feel like we need something. But it's a very thankless job sometimes. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm always considering a third, but it's one of those things that it's very non-ego based, right? So performance sports, they are ego driven, like a hundred percent. You can't say that any athlete you meet has no ego or no sense of like doing it to drive them intrinsically, right? So with being a mom, you are just getting up every day for the grind. Like it's, it's you know, yes, you get your hugs and kisses from your kids and your joy from that, but you can't control the outcome is what I'm trying to say. Like your kids, like today, to be fair, I have a one and a two-year-old. So I basically have two toddlers for anyone listening, which is nuts. They are only 14 months apart. I don't recommend it to anyone. Love them, but it's hectic. And today was a day where like they were both throwing tantrums. They were like trying to hit each other in the bath. And like, I just got to the end of the day and I was like, man, I love my kids. And we had some really cute moments today, but wow. Like I did my best today and I still feel like it would be talked up as a fail. You know what I mean? So it's not, and no matter how well you do, it's not always like, you can't control your children is what I'm trying to say. So as much as like I used to be that parent before I had kids that was like, oh, I'll do that differently. Oh, my kids will never throw tantrums. I'll never be that one that has their kid crying in a shopping center. I am 100% that parent. So I raise sassy kids because I'm a sassy person, right? Like your kids are a byproduct of you. I don't have chilled children. My partner has ADHD. Like we're not going to get kids who are like just spuds, you know? And we always joke about that because I had a friend over today from Brisbane her daughter's nine months old and she just sat there the whole time. And my kids are like climbing up on the couch, like climbing off stuff, running around, beautiful personalities, but they are full on, right? So I think going back to that, the switch from, I guess, athlete to bodybuilding, we'll talk more about that first. I guess the biggest shift for me was that one is a performance, purely performance-based in terms of you run across the line, you're first or you're last, Right. Bodybuilding is so subjective. So the switch in that was quite challenging, whereas I re- that's why I really liked powerlifting when I got into that because it was more numbers-based again, right? You kind of knew how you were going to do based on, you know, what was going on. You can't control still who rocks up on the day, but you kind of know roughly where you sit. Um, bodybuilding is a totally different kettle of fish. So you're going from, I know my ranking in athletics. I know I'm ranked, you know, one or two in WA. I know I'm probably going to go into a race as long as I perform it, you know, pretty good. I'm, I know what I'm going to hit. You know what you're doing in training. You're timing your races. You, you set yourself up. Bodybuilding, 
all you can do is prepare your best package and you might rock up with your best package, but that's not what the judges want. Or five other people rock up with a better package that you've never seen before and you've got some genetic freaks that just roll in. Or the judge doesn't like your pink bikini and they wish you wore blue and they don't like blonde hair and you're a blonde. So like, not that you can get severely marked down for that stuff, but it does play into it because your presentation is a part of your judging criteria. So if you rock up and you've got blonde hair and you're wearing a pink bikini and they say you look a little bit too much like a Barbie doll, that might not be the look that they're going for. So you have to be realistic and I guess low ego in the sense that it is a subjective sport and you have to be doing it for the right reasons of I'm putting my best package forward. And I think you have to also see it as the sport labels it, it's bodybuilding. So it needs to be reflective. You get off the stage, you get subjective feedback, you go and work on that and then you do another show, right? Athletics is a little different. You finish your race, you know exactly what you need to improve on, get faster, like come back and do it again. Whereas bodybuilding, it might be like, you were too lean. Like you would think the leaner I get, the better I should do, right? My feedback from my first ever show, I was 48 kilos on stage and I was pretty shredded. Um, My feedback was you need to eat a burger and you need to work on your posing and you ran out on stage, you were so nervous your tan wasn't dark enough. Um, Your actual physique was okay, but you need to like eat some carbs basically. Um, So pretty funny when you think about it, because I was naive to the sport and I was also working with coaches who didn't really know much about it. So the package they presented was what they thought would do well, but it, it wasn't, I was emaciated. (laughs) So um, yeah, what I'm trying to say is it's not as clear cut, I think, as what athletics is. So you have to have quite a thick skin in bodybuilding. And the people that last in this sport are the people that take that feedback on board and want to go and work on their physique. And I think sometimes the best thing that can happen to you in bodybuilding is to not win your first show. The best thing to happen is to come third, fourth, fifth, not even place, and then still enjoy it and want to get that feedback. And the funny thing was that actually happened for me with athletics too. When I was younger, I wasn't the best. I was pretty damn good. I was always up there, but I had to really work to get to that top spot. And I think that passion from that in athletics of not being, I was pretty gifted, don't get me wrong, but not that, you know, won every single thing, but I was always the hardest worker in the room at training. And, you know, coaches would always say that. So I kind of knew, well, then if I'm the hardest worker with athletics, I can kind of apply that to bodybuilding. I know I can train hard. And that was really interesting. My first ever kind of bodybuilding coach said that. He was like, your work ethic in the gym is so different to so many other girls. Because like you said, you've got that performance background where you understand how muscles work. You understand intensity. You can actually push yourself to failure. Like all of those things that actually a lot of people can't naturally do. And you have to actually train that into people, which is really interesting because again, if you're a coach and you've always been athletic, you kind of assume people are like that, where that's something I've learned over the years with working with so much gen pop that you could get a newbie in the gym who doesn't actually want to be there and they're just there for health and weight loss and they're not going to be as intrinsically driven as you. So if you assume that everyone's going to be like you, you're going to be a really bad coach because you have to be so flexible to that. Um, But yeah, the biggest shift I think mentally as well, this one's going to sound funny, but was 
I've never been someone who's been sexy and I had to then like be sexy on stage and like I still don't feel like I'm a sexy person but it helped me with tapping into my feminine a little more um athletics I was always the tomboy you know I had brothers I was the girl that you know never really wore makeup all that stuff and then I had to do posing and wear heels and all of that and um, it actually really helped me with that. So I think that as much as people bash on bodybuilding, it actually helped me with a lot of aspects of self-confidence, um, self-worth. I'd actually had like sort of eating disorder issues prior to it, which you'd think red flag bodybuilding eating. So it's actually helped me with my EDs because it educated me more on food, which was funny because at that point I was actually going through dietetics, um, which is probably one of my gripes with dietetics because I feel like it doesn't actually educate on some of the right things. Um, but yeah, it told me to told me to try to like tap into my inner sexy, if that makes any sense. Um, so it was good. I was also I also went through a really bad breakup around the same time, so it kind of helped me like <laughs> get out of that. The funny thing is, I tell clients don't compete if you have a past history of an eating disorder. Don't compete if you've just gotten out of a breakup. And I literally did all of those things, but was one of the best things I ever did. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? That is so classic. Like I definitely did the same thing. Like it's almost like the gym is, it does, it helps you through. It's like, it's, it can be a distraction, but also like, it's something that is regulating for you. It's what you know, when things are getting out of control in your life, it's something that you can fall back on, you can rely on, and it's always going to be that kind of thing. And it's something that you yeah. can control. Um, I've heard it so many times before as well, like going through breakups, um, you know, the gym being the thing that helps women through. And, you know, that's probably the one reason why I have not competed because like, you know, number one, I love food, but also two, the posing <laughs> is something that I would definitely struggle yeah. with. But just listening to your story, it's like that transition from, you know, more performance, the sprinting into the bodybuilding, that almost sounds like it prepared you for that transition into or from a competitor in bodybuilding to a mum. Like some of the things that you were saying is like, you know, I had to let go of control a little bit, you know, in bodybuilding because it is more subjective. Um, you know, you were saying things like, um, you know, yeah, you can't control that, like all these different components that you had to let go of in to go into, you know, the yeah. bodybuilding space and the things that you had to learn becoming sexy, you know, as well, like <laughs> all those kinds of things, like, you know, that would have yeah. attracted your current partner and things like that. And um, yeah. yeah, it it just sounds like that transition kind of flowed almost into like, you know, made it. I know you said it, it was probably a bit of a more of a difficult transition into motherhood, but yeah. there are so many different components to us. Like we don't just have to be one way, you know what I mean? So like, you know, yes, yeah. you're a mum now, but you're still a competitor. Like that's yeah. still innately in you. And it has been since you were such from such a young age as well. And yeah. so I guess what you were saying in terms of like, you know, you're not going to control your kids and like your kids are going to be a certain way and accepting them for who they are is like super, mm. super cool because that's what you had to do um, when you were doing your bodybuilding as well. Like you said, like you learned more about nutrition, you learned more about training and um, being okay with 
you know, potentially, yeah, you had to grow whatever it is, like you had to fix your tan and like all these other things yeah. that just sound like really like those are the things you had to they eat sound more. so vain, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's like just accepting that and not and not having to be like, oh my God, like it's, it's, it has to be one way, you know what I mean? Like you just, you took that feedback on board and you're probably doing that every single day with your kids as well is like this particular thing didn't work. I'm going to, you know, get back on the horse and try again tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. And one thing I really admire as well uh, is just the way you show up on Instagram as well like you've had a shit day or like your kids have done something and it's been stressful like I think I, I've seen stories of you like covered in vomit like hair <laughs> up in a barn like hair kind of everywhere um, and it's just so refreshing as well to see because there is so much on there that's just like oh like perfect perfect oh, yeah, child, like perfect, perfect Instagram yeah and like I have no idea because it's like I'm not a mum but like of course it's not perfect yeah of course it's never going to be perfect and you know what's the hard thing about that that I struggle with especially more so after Millie my first child is that I was very honest after her birth I was I had a lot of struggles with her she had a lot of complications as a baby she had severe reflux I'm talking vomiting 15 times a day couldn't gain weight failure to latch at the breast we had so many problems we didn't sleep for at all for the first 10 months of our life like I just thought that was newborns because it's my first kid so I was like oh you know this is it I just suck at being a parent right and then I had my son and I was like oh no this is what a normal baby is like this is not so bad like it's still hard but like that was really challenging but my point was when I had her I was very honest on social media and unfortunately when it's your first child you get a bit of backlash because People are like, well, it's just a, being a mum, suck it up. Basically, it was a lot of the feedback I would get. I would get some really nice comments and I wasn't complaining. I'm never someone who complains. I'm always very conscious that I try to lean into my privilege. I understand I have a really good life. I have a really supportive partner. I was more that I wanted to share the honesty of those challenging days, right? I'm never looking for mm. sorrow or pity or any of that. It's because mm. I see those accounts that look picture perfect and I'm like, hang on a minute, like maybe your life is perfect. Uh, congrats if it is, but I am sure that all the mums that I speak to, 99% of them, there's a lot more going on that doesn't get shared on socials. And I actually thought parenthood would be a lot easier than what it was before I had a kid, right? I thought I'm a really like determined person with business and this, I'm so organized. I get so much done. Parenthood will be a breeze and it absolutely hasn't been. I do think that it, like I'm doing pretty well at it. Like I give myself a few pats on the back, but it's been a really big shift at the same time. And it's really humbled me. Like it's humbled me so much. Not that I was a, an egotistic person, but if I compared mentally my mindset of where I was when I was 24 compared to now 34, like I am so much more like at 24, I thought I knew everything. I thought like I had the world understood. I look back at some of the stuff I did and cringe, but your twenties, I feel like is really for learning. And I feel like your thirties, I love my thirties. I'm really enjoying it. And then I have talked to some of my clients who are in their forties and in their fifties. And they're like, look, it just keeps getting better, but enjoy your thirties or enjoy this time. And I think, 
It's been a really, yeah, humbling journey being a parent. When you're covered in spew and poo and all these things, and if you, I always, my quote is always, if you don't laugh, you cry. So I try to laugh my way through parenthood as much as I can and just lean into it because I think the first six months with Millie, I tried to really like, you know, not lean fully into being a parent and accepting what it was. And I was like, I can still be Alice around. I can still do all the things and still be businesswoman and still do this and that. And then I crashed and burnt and I full on burnt out that first six to 12 months of her life and probably had a little bit of postnatal depression in there and all these things going on. And because I just wouldn't lean into parenthood, I just wouldn't allow that to be my new identity, um, which I know a lot of women struggle with. And I think a big part of it for me was social media. Like I said, getting backlash for sharing those harder times. Um, people saying that I sounded like I was complaining when really I was actually probably depressed and trying to reach out and share. And uh, it really made me close off from sharing that stuff. So I think I've learned that with Max, I'm a bit more cautious with what I share online. I don't share quite as much of the hard of parenthood as what I did with Millie, which is a shame because I know mm. that it would help so many people. And when I do share it, to be fair, 99% of it is positive. But the problem is when you're in a bad mental space and you get one negative comment amongst yeah. 10 positive ones, it really can send you over the edge. And Sean, really, my partner said to me, like, it's time to just pull back a little bit. Um, so I've learned as well as a parent to really protect your energy. And I think that's something you learn in your thirties as well. I wish I learned it earlier in life. So anyone that's younger listening to this in your twenties, like protect your energy, because that has been a big shift. And I think between the person I was when I stepped on stage when I was 23, I think the difference with me competing now is that my mindset has grown so, so much. And I've done a lot of work in that space, a lot of courses. I am 100% not perfect, but that's the coolest thing about it. When I was 24, I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> like, Whereas now yeah. I'm like, I, I love myself, but I've still got stuff I want to work on. And I'm open to saying that to people. I don't think 24-year-old me would have been like, I've got stuff I need to work on. Like I would have been like, I've got my shit together. Um, but I think that that's a part of growth is admitting that you still have things. I still want to be a better mother. I still want to show up for my kids better. I still want to be a better partner. I still want to um, improve my business. I still want to grow more. And I think that that going through these journeys of maybe doing these different ventures has maybe helped with that self-discovery as well, because it's taught me what I like, what I don't like, um, what I need to get better at. And I think that comes back to maybe that uh, intrinsic little five or six-year-old in me being like, always just been a growth mindset person, always just been very like, cool, what can I, what can I get better at? Give me feedback. And maybe that's why I like bodybuilding because <laughs> I'm like, give me the feedback. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like it's, it's so unfortunate that just a small minority of people can have that effect um, on you. Like, yeah, withholding stuff that may help someone else. Like, yeah, I totally, like, I really appreciate like the openness, the rawness and the honesty, because like, I'm not a mum. I haven't been through childbirth. I haven't been through, uh, you know, that that uh, postnatal period. Like during our AWPT courses, we have live workshops. And whenever there are mums on those workshops, especially weeks five and six, when we talk about training during pregnancy, postpartum, I'm always like, do you mind sharing your story? And like, I'm so grateful that you are here, like being open, sharing your story, because I want to gather as much information as I can before I maybe one day become a mother. Like I want to gather everyone's experience. Like everyone has such a different experience as well. 
And I think, you know, like that's a massive thing in terms of, um, you know, that postpartum period as well. Everyone has a different pregnancy experience. Everyone has a different postpartum experience. We can't like box people. Some people have like, it's so like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't like saying this, but it's refreshing when yeah. a woman comes on there there was a lady in our um course the the last awpt that we ran and in the mentorship now and she was just like i love being pregnant and yeah. i haven't heard that I hated before it. And, I was, I hated I it. <laughs> and i was like because like i all i hear is like yeah these are like hard things and i'm like oh do i even want to become a mom yeah. and then i hear and that I and i'm like oh i thought i was like being pregnant and I had what's called a HG pregnancy both times and nobody wants that. And if, if I have a third kid, I'll have it again. Like it's, it's kind of guaranteed. So it's where you're basically sick every single day of your pregnancy, which is not a fun time. I actually liked the, the physically, like my body in pregnancy. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the kicks. I enjoyed all that, but I, the easiest way to describe it is being drunk, hung over on a boat for 40 weeks. Um, so that feeling, you just can't explain it. And I actually had a client that's experiencing it at the moment and she's, she's been a client for a long time. So she's been a client through my pregnancies. And she was like, I didn't get it until like, I would hear you say it. And I didn't get how bad it was until I went through it myself. So my biggest thing is that everyone experiences it differently, not so much because we're in different mental spaces. That's a part of it. But every kid's going to be different. Like I've had some clients who their first six months has been a dream and they've had this baby who's just slept like a unicorn and then they've turned, like they've hit a regression and boom, they're a different child. And this is just kids. Like it's just, yeah. But the one thing I do want to say going back, sorry, going off topic, back to that social media point, because I want to touch on where I'm at today with social media comparative to where I was after Millie. And sharing that is that because I was in a bit of a negative space myself, that's why it affected me that much. When I share stuff now, and I would say that when I do get those negative things, which is very minimal now, because I think I'm a bit more cautious of also speaking from a place of being cautious of privilege and um, gratitude and just being very mindful with my words, which is also annoying that I have to kind of censor myself a little bit, but um, like I, I preach it with caution a little more, but the people that would DM me those negative things would be other mothers, of course. It would never be, um, you know, someone who hasn't had kids. Actually, occasionally I had one really nasty one, a lady who was going through IVF that basically told me I was a horrible human because I had a child, so I should be grateful. Um, and this was after me having two miscarriages as well. So it, um, yeah, that was a really stuff, good one. Yeah, that's, and this yeah. is, yeah, and that's my point. So I think I learned now that Anything negative I receive, if I'm coming from a place of kindness and I'm coming from a place of compassion and a place of honesty and genuineness, which is what I try to preach on my socials, and I'm sure what you pick up when you watch my socials, um, is that. And so if somebody's coming at me, then relaying something negative, and I'm open to feedback, but at, if it's feedback that isn't constructive, that is just judgmental, that is just nasty and coming from a place of hate and sadness, that is something going on within them. And I think it's taken me a while to realize that. So for example, I remember when I just had Millie and I had a mum of like four message me and was like, what are you complaining about? You only have one kid. You've got a supportive partner. I'm a single mum of four. Like it's always coming from a place of like, which I hate with motherhood mm. of like competitiveness, which is a shame mm. because one person's heart shouldn't diminish another person's heart. And that's what really frustrates me. And it wasn't that I was even saying it was hard. I was just sharing what was going on. So mm. I think 
you have to learn that when people are nasty for absolutely no reason or negative for no reason on socials, and this, if you're going to do social media, you kind of have to get a thick skin about this stuff, is that they are probably coming from a place of insecurity themselves or judgment. And it's the same with when I've shared my postnatal physical journey. You know, some you get amazing positive comments and you'll get a couple of people in there that are like, you're so lucky or, you know, well, lucky you that you've got hours and hours to train a day. Trust me, I don't. But you're always going to have a few people in there that are like, you're lucky or you're blessed or you're gifted. And I, I appreciate that, but I've also worked really hard to get to where I am. So it's, it's diminishing someone's hard work when people also leave comments like that because it's not giving any credit to where they've come from. And that's not what it should be about. I just think if you're going to go on someone's social media, think of it like stepping into their house. You wouldn't step into someone's house with muddy feet and just stomp shit everywhere. So like, why would, well, I wouldn't because <laughs> I'm a polite person, but why mm. would you go and do that on someone's social media? So, but I've learned to let it roll off my back, but I've also learned what, where I can be more conscious in my posting too. So it's helped me grow, I think in that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely can't please everyone. And like, there is no filter on social media as well. So um, I saw because you and Sheridan were doing a podcast as well. And I saw yeah. she was getting some backlash as a mother as well. And she was, uh, she was just like, I'm just not going to post my kids anymore. Yeah. And it's like, it's yeah. such a shame because it's your social media. Like yeah. you can post whatever you want. You should be able to post whatever you want. And, you know, if people don't like it, then they just don't follow. It's yeah. Like and hers, don't... Um, like her situation, unfortunately, was actually about her children, which is even more disgusting and disturbing. Whereas mm. mine, I'm so grateful, has never been about my actual children because I think I'd be a ferocious mother bear and probably name and shame them and do something pretty horrible. So, but hers was about her kids' image, which is just like unacceptable. Unacceptable. And yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful no one's ever said anything like that about my children, but that is just so unnecessary. Like, I would be, if, if I, the way that I think about it now as a mum is, Imagine if one of my kids growing up said that to someone else, I would be ashamed of my parenting. I would be like, who raised you? <laughs> like, I know, you- right? Like, and that's how you think now as a parent. And that's how I try to think when people send me those negative comments. I say, someone's been raised to think that's okay. And unfortunately, it's probably not on them. It's probably their upbringing. It's probably their environment. And they've got some self-reflection to do. And that's okay. And usually I just don't respond. I just, that's how I deal with it. Because as soon as you say anything back, you're never going to win a fight with that. It's it's not going to be, because they're wanting to win. And I'm not wanting to win. I just want everyone to be happy. So it's a no from me. Yeah, 100%. And also, like, going back to your post of, like, everyone, uh, sorry, your your statement of, like, everyone's hard is, is different, right? It's all relative. So, like, for yeah. example, you know, yes, like, you know, you, you had one kid at the time and, like, you know, she was really quite difficult and you have a supportive partner, but it's still hard. Like, it's, it's, it's diminishing someone else's um reality almost like their sense of reality like it it is all relative and sometimes it's not fair and and there are differences and choices that you make as a parent as well like you know you make that choice to become a parent you know it's going to be hard um but you work through it and you have that that mindset and 
you know, going back to you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's like I had no idea until I did my women's health um, like certificate through my physiotherapy degree actually what is involved in parenthood and and um childbirth (laughs) and childbirth and all of that I was like so unprepared and that's what made me want to dive deeper into because you know I would train you know moms and train pregnant women but you just don't like you don't know and I'm so much more now I guess like empathetic towards moms and I honestly like do not know <laughs> I got asked the question on uh one of my stories like are you going to be a mum and I was like I honestly don't know like I don't know how you do it um and you know running a business as well at the same time being a mum like you're planning to compete I think coming yeah. up is that and, correct you- and maybe convince my partner into a third child but we'll see how that one goes <laughs> so yeah. wow amazing Um, like I think like and this is the thing that maybe I don't talk about enough on social media is how much I fucking love my kids like I think that and even me saying that I get like a little teary because I'm like like they honestly they bring you so much joy so like you can see me literally crying like they are just like especially my daughter not to say that I love my daughter more than my son but she's just older so I've had more time with her right she's two and a half and like she can hold a full conversation and like it is just so as much as like you you need you need to get the chance to be a mum because honestly like all the hard gets diminished when you get a kid running and genuinely hugging you and telling you they love you and you know she wants to hold my hand through the shops and she wants to tell me about her day and when I pick her up from daycare she's like sprints over and wants to show me her friends and like there's just so much joy unfortunately that joy sometimes is like condensed in amongst all the crazy but those little moments they are just the things that get you through and I think also it just brings you a new sense of purpose and I have never been so driven and motivated with business and I genuinely thought before I had kids I was raised by a mum who didn't really work when we were kids stay-at-home mum three kids 18 months apart so kind of similar to me and I always thought being a stay-at-home mum was like the best thing in the world until I had children and um, realized that it's not for me it is for some mums but I work much better when I have work and kids and because uh, I'm such a motivated person in the business space, right? And um, it's not just a career for me. It's like that. it's my part of my being. So that's mm. really important. Whereas I know that some people just go to work and it's a job, very different. So everyone's a little different. I don't judge anyone based on how they choose to live as long as it makes them happy. Um, but my point going back to that is that just it's never made me more driven because I now have a purpose, right? I used to care about more materialistic things before I had kids. And now, for example, we've been looking at new houses and all I care about is what parks are nearby and is it a good bike track to take the kids on and is it near good schools? Like I'm so different and I just I get no no more joy than just hanging out with my kids for a day on a Sunday and taking them on adventures and watching their eyes light up when they look at a duck. Like my son is obsessed with birds at the moment. He's one and he was saying birdie today and I was like, cutest thing is just started talking so I wanted to touch on the positive shit because I feel like we do talk a lot about the hard but anyone that also follows my social media will see the joy in my daughter and like my son so like 
Yeah, it, this is why parents have multiple children, you know. They, they, yeah, they talk about the hard, but then you go to bed every night and you're scrolling through your phone looking at photos of them from the day that you had, even though you're exhausted. So it's pretty amazing, um, but also comes with its challenges. It's If you're somebody who likes routine, <laughs> you're going to have to probably change. That's probably the biggest thing that I've struggled with, I struggled with initially, um, but now I've just very much learned how to lean into the pivot on the daily and how to set up our life and our structure. And your life is just going to look a bit different and that's okay. Not seeing that as a bad thing, seeing that as a chance to shift and pivot. I am 10 times more productive with my work. Um, that is a big thing as well. I don't procrastinate anymore because I have a window. It's like you have five hours, you will get shit done. Um, so your productivity goes through the roof. So you can still you can still do it, it all, but that it all will just look a bit different. And that's one of the biggest things that I always say to women. And you might have to just have a little more patience. Like this postnatal course, for example, if I didn't have kids, I probably would have banged it out in four or five weeks. It's taken me three months, you know, but that's okay because I don't have as much time spare to allocate to extra work. You know, on my work days, I get my client work done. And then it's like, well, I've only got the evenings to then fit in the extra stuff. And then I've got to film videos and all of that, which you can't really do at night. So it, it just is what it is. So it's a bit of an insight for you, but I hope that makes you a bit like more positive about the experience. <laughs> yeah, no, like I totally, like I really appreciate that because it's like anything in life, right? There's going to be down times. There's going yeah. to be hard times, but that just, makes you appreciate the positive times and the good times even more it's not always always going to be only bad it's not always going to be only good and I think that's something like maybe maybe this social media it shows all the good all the time we have that expectation that things should be good all the time but it never is like that and so yeah I really appreciate you sharing like the good with the bad um because you know everyone I speak to is like I wouldn't change it. Like it's hard, yeah. but I wouldn't change it. And, you know, even that mindset of, of your life isn't going to look the same. It's the same with body bodies as well. Like your body might not be the same after having kids, but that doesn't mean it's worse. I know women who are way stronger, who love their bodies way more after having kids. Yeah. And so same with what you were saying with your life, like, your life is going to look different, but it doesn't mean it's worse. It's yeah. just different. There's the good and there's the bad. Yeah. yeah. So um, just to finish up, tell us a bit more about this postnatal course that you've been working on. Yeah, so I've been trying to fit that in with pop prep as well, which is, you know, just throwing another spanner in the works. Just thought I would compete in a bodybuilding Love the challenge. challenge. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd get back on the stage after I actually haven't competed in IFBB in eight years, which is crazy. And I don't go off topic here, but the funny thing was I was literally just jumped on my treadmill to do half an hour of cardio before jumping on here once my kids went to bed. And um, we put up all our old bodybuilding trophies on the wall. So it's in front of the treadmill. So I'm like looking at all my old stuff when I'm on there. And um, the last comp that I won, which was my last show, was Arnold's 2013. Uh, so 10 years ago, one bikini Arnold. So I was like, I think this is a sign <laughs> that like this is the year to come back, which was pretty funny. But um, yeah, so this postnatal course, it's basically um, uh, what I wanted to do was set something up that 
a lot of women, unfortunately, they want to rush back into exercise, right? We all know this. I get it. I did it with my daughter. I learned the hard way that I, I still, even as a professional, still even qualified then, I still probably rushed things a little bit. My ego was driving me with my training postnatally with Millie. Um, I was heavy into powerlifting more so than bodybuilding before I had the kids. So I was like, my PB on my deadlift was like 165. I could bench 80 kilos, squat 140. Like I was pretty frigging strong, right? I had a lot of muscle too. And I lost a lot of that in pregnancy. So when I came back, I think with Millie, I deadlifted 120 kilos, like 10 weeks postnatal, like stupid right so like I can reflect on that but the problem was I think for me was that I really needed something for my mindset and my mental health after having a child and if you go from someone who is quite active to then being postnatal you kind of want to do something for you right and that can be a little bit challenging um, because you know, you really do need to rest, right? So that was something that I learned. But at the same time, we can still move our bodies. So I actually created this course with a physiotherapist who's qualified in this space as well. And basically, we've created a zero to six week guide. So it's basically from birth, you can actually start doing it, but we call it a return to movement guide first. And then the six week plus is return to exercise, right? Because we shouldn't be exercising strenuously. So when I term it exercise, I mean, resistance training. So resistance can also be your body. So a body weight squat is still classed as resistance, right? So the first six-week guide is honestly mobility work, mobilization for breastfeeding. So we do a lot of pec stretching. We do a lot of lat. We do a lot of um, pre, uh, connection breathing. We do a lot of pelvic floor work. There's a 12-week pelvic floor guide. So it's really more about short, simple 15, 20-minute like mobility routines that you can do with your bub sitting there on your living room floor. You don't need to go to the gym. And it just gets you moving. And it's something good for your mental health and as well as your pelvic floor rehabilitation so for both vaginal and cesarean delivery so that first zero to six week guide is really cool we actually have one of our coaches trial it because she had her son perfect timing with when I finished it and I was like can you test it out time it all tell me how long it all takes and she loved it um, she went and got her clearance from her physio and she said you are like first child she said you're in an amazing position from doing this course. The physio actually looked over it and said, I loved it all. So tuning our own horn there, but then she got straight back into exercise after that. And then now she's continuing on the next phase. Um, so then the next phase is more resistance based. So it still progresses on because that's the thing, just because you get your six week clearance, it doesn't mean that you can then go deadlift 120 kilos like I was, right? So at that point, you still wanna be progressing. So it's a progressive program in the six weeks. So it's then 10 weeks of programming after that. The programs change every two weeks at that point, whereas the first six weeks, it changes every week. Um, but then it's every two week blocks. And then we're progressing to building back into your deadlifts, your squats um, towards the end of that programming block, but starting with things like a goblet squat and then progressing it from there to barbell work. We also start with body weight. So it really is a really beautiful progression program that every week or two weeks, there's some really nice changes in there. And they are short workouts. That's the other thing, because we know that kids sleep routines that first few months can be all over the place so they really won't be any more than about 30 maybe 40 minutes some of the later programs in it um, and then we've also got gym options in there so if you do choose to go into the gym you can just adjust so if you want to add a cable instead of a band and then you really just need basic equipment at home we've got it out all listed in there literally bands few dumbbells bench like super super simple stuff um, especially the first six weeks you really don't need a lot so 
it's pretty cool. And then we also add in a bit of mindset work, which comes in through email. There's a basic nutrition guide that touches on like energy requirements of breastfeeding, things like that. Um, but I don't encourage anyone to really like macro count and stuff like that in that first couple of months postnatal. I really think it should be more about just overall nutrient density, uh, getting micronutrients in that you actually lack in pregnancy, especially if you've had a sick pregnancy, getting iron back in post-birth after blood loss. Like it's more about education as a whole on energy needs and requirements, not on, you know, these are the macros you should be hitting. However, if you do want that, you can obviously do like more of our VIP coaching. Um, and we definitely don't touch on fat loss because that again, shouldn't really be something on your mind the first few months. I know it is a big thing for a lot of women and I fully get that. I'm not speaking from a place of, oh, well, it was, you know, easy for me. So I didn't have to worry about it, but fat loss will happen naturally when you just start moving again and you start to get into routine because a lot of that initial weight is water weight, is fluid, is hormones. So I feel like just don't put the pressure on yourself to worry about that initially. Like it will happen. And then if four or five months down the line, you know, it's still not really shifting much. You're feeling a bit uncomfortable. That's when I suggest then maybe adding that nutritional component in um, and having a look at things or getting your hormones checked and stuff like that at that point. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. So kind of step-by-step all through an app, as well as all these PDFs, emails, everything. So yeah, pretty hands-off and it's super cheap. That's the other benefit. It's not like you're paying for VIP coaching. So pretty good price point that we also wanted to make friendly to mums because we get that a lot of you are on not working. So that's another big thing for us. So it's like 300 bucks for the whole bundle and like I think it's 199 each and um, we'll have a special offer on that when we launch. So super cheap, um, but I've rambled about that. <laughs> so yeah. No, that sounds absolutely amazing because you pretty much just gave us like an entire course in postnatal training through yeah. just uh, presenting your program. But I think that, you know, especially when I did my um, like women's health and, and um, you know, training during pregnancy postpartum studies, like, and, you know, in my experience, like training as a coach, but training as a physio as well, women don't know this stuff. And it's like, we haven't been taught this stuff about our own bodies. And I'm not sure what your experience was pre-pregnancy, having had that personal experience, you know firsthand what it's like. And I think like preparing women for that, because, you know, for example, that six-week um, assessment, you know, you know, whether they've had an internal examination, whether they need one, like a lot of women would just say, no, I just went to the doctor and they said, yeah. yeah, I was clear. Like they asked me a few questions and they said I was fine, but there's no objective assessment. Like, is there any damage to the pelvic floor? Is there a potential prolapse? Um, are yeah. they able to do a correct pelvic floor contraction? Like all this stuff we don't know. We just kind yeah. of go off like, oh yeah, you're sweet. Six months, six weeks, yeah. you're sweet to go train. But it's like, no, everyone's healing process is different. Everyone's birth is different. Mm-hmm. So having that knowledge of like, you know, this is what you can do in that, you know, somehow I, I even got onto um, a call with actually a coach who just had a child yesterday and uh, she didn't have the child yesterday, but I got on the call yesterday okay. and she was like, yeah, three weeks. Yeah. Once I'm like three weeks, I'm going to start like doing the exercise again. And I was like, no, like you should probably hang on like a little bit more. Like it's going to take at least four to six weeks for healing to occur and things like that. So it's stuff yeah. like even coaches, like women, we don't even know about our own bodies. And I think it's so important. And, 
you know, I really appreciate you, you know, being one of those coaches who is just making it more well-known in the industry and educating women on, you know, these topics that we aren't even educated about in school or in university and things like that. And it's something that most women will go through in their lifetime. And so I think think it is. 80% of women, I think I looked up, will go through, will have this experience. So it's like, it's a big chunk of the population. Exactly. And it's not even, you know, it's even like, you know, these things should be taught in school, right? Exercise, physical activity, nutrition, mindset, and then I didn't know like what a pelvic floor was. Ooh, like, right. like how to calculate Pythagoras theorem. Or like hey, I, I barely even knew how to <laughs> like, insert a tampon at school. I was like, why didn't they like teach us more about this? Like, why didn't they teach us about periods more? Like they just tell you to not have sex, which is like very general. Like they don't really teach you much. And I think like going back to that like postnatal space, that six-week check, like people have to remember that the six-week check from a doctor's standpoint is the all clear for returning to like exercise more strenuously, but it's all relative to what that exercise is. And this is the same with pregnancy because people always say to me, do I need to change anything with my pregnancy training? It's like, well, are you doing Pilates or are you doing CrossFit five days a week? Like it's all relative Mm -hmm. to like what you're doing, right? So if you're somebody, and most doctors will assume you're not somebody who goes and trains resistance-based five days a week, heavy loads, deadlifting 160 kilos, right? So like to them, light is all relative to the individual. And I remember my physio saying to me, yep, you're good to go with return to movement. I had a really good birth with my son. Um, And she goes, just don't deadlift any more than 40 kilos to start. And I was like thinking like 40 kilos is like, you know, that's a ridiculously light warm up, like even for like me being postnatal, you know? So like I had to, again, yeah. like drop that ego and again, discuss with her, okay, this is what I was doing prior. Cool. This is where we are now and work on that specific mm. plan for me. So as much as our program is like a generic program, we also suggest advising with the physio on things you may need to modify. You might be able to progress things, but we, we basically err on the side of caution with it. So you probably won't have to regress it, but you may be able to like progress forward a little bit more with load and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just one of those things that until you go through it, you just, I think you've got to also think about the bigger picture. I think like, what is the worst that can happen if you go slowly? Like what is the worst can happen if you take four months to fully rehab, heal, six months really, what can go wrong? Like, but what can go Mm. wrong if you rush? Like, and that's the best way to think about it. If you rush and you prolapse and you tear from like not be being crass, but your vagina to your anus, like that is a big rehabilitation from there. If you make your pelvic floor 10 times worse, you can take 10 steps backwards. So then you actually have Mm. to slow down with getting back into things. And I think that's what people forget. You might take two steps forward, but you might go 10 back if you rush Um, rather than Mm. taking slow progressions forward is the most important thing to do. So I think just being mindful of that and that just because one of my favorite quotes in the postnatal space is just because you can, should you like just because you can lift it, does that mean you should be lifting it? Because again, are you lifting from a place of ego or are you lifting from a place of like rehabilitation? And really you shouldn't be training it much past about a, like in our program, we we base it on RPE, a lot of it. And the first six weeks, it's like, you're an RPE three. Like, and then Mm. after that clearance, like we don't really progress past like a seven by like, you know, 15, 16 weeks postnatal. So 
again, because RPE is relative to your intensity. So that will all differ. But I feel like I could go on a tangent about this for, <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, amazing. Like you, those things that you were talking about, like they're not things that will present straight away. So like, you know, even yeah. if you're cleared and there is no prolapse, like, yeah. you know, uh, initially, like at that six-week checkup, like, you go and load the pelvic floor before it's ready when it's still healing, like it can be up to 12 months, then yeah. that's something that years down the track that might come. It might not yeah. be right now. So I love that you said like, yeah, what, what's going to, what can go wrong? You know, uh, what's going to go wrong if you take it slow? Like, yeah, Nothing. that was really <laughs> cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. Awesome. Ali, thank you so much for jumping on with me today for going through, um, you know, your journey for going through, um, you know, the postnatal stuff. Your program sounds absolutely amazing. When's it launching? Hopefully end of this week. So yeah, we're hoping, I reckon it should be like Friday. So probably about the eighth or ninth we're hoping for, but I'm just waiting on back end stuff to be finished so yeah at the latest monday time. which will be yeah so, i reckon probably I'll, I'll say monday to be safe we'll say the 11th yeah okay amazing so this podcast should probably be up like early next week if not tomorrow most this is a quite um a quite on top of everything and quite efficient so perfect, perfect. timing um yeah. If you are a, a woman who is thinking of getting pregnant, if you are pregnant, go check out this program because I already know it's going to be absolutely packed full of value. 300 bucks like that is a steal. You know, if you were to go see a physio, it's like 300 bucks, you know, yeah. a session or two. So um, yeah. having a coach and things like that. So yeah, absolutely appreciate you jumping on Um being raw, being open and honest about your journey and then also for sharing your knowledge as well. I think that's the biggest thing is like as coaches, just passing on uh, what we learn is one of the biggest things. So awesome. Thank you so much. Keep up with the great work. Looking forward to uh, seeing how this program does as well. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I appreciate you all listening. I know I can ramble a bit, but I'm just so passionate about this whole space. So thank you for yeah having me on. If you like the podcast, just flick me a DM or Kayla and I should say your full name now, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find her on Instagram at Ali Round, A-L-I-R-O-U-N-D, not Alice Round. Um, <laughs> and she also has a podcast as well. So if you want to dive deep in and hear Ali speak more about uh, the pre and postnatal stuff, um, babies and barbells, correct? Barbells to babies, yeah. So it, Barbells it to babies. Be, yeah, it used to be. There's another podcast as well, which is Barbells. Uh, I keep forgetting all the names are all twisted. Barbells, uh, Barbells, Bodies and Bagels, which was mine and Sean's podcast. And then once we had kids, we realized that we couldn't do a podcast together because we don't have any spare time at the same time. So then now I just do it on my own. I was doing it with Sheridan, but our schedules were just hectic. So now I'm just doing it on my own, which is cool. So it's all like health, fitness, but mostly like that mum space, but a lot on postnatal training and everything else like that and mental health and just everything relating to mums and fitness, basically. Yeah. Awesome. So check that out. Barbells to babies. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.